0: This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast. Welcome to Property Patter. It's an exciting time here at Charles Russell Speechlease as we've recently opened an office in Singapore. And I'm delighted to welcome our head of Asia, Simon Green, to talk about the property market and opportunities there. So, welcome, Simon. Nice to have you on Property Patter. Now, until very recently, of course, you've been working in our Hong Kong office. And I actually used to live in Hong Kong between 92 to 97. And our rent, I remember, was crazy. So let's start off actually with Hong Kong, if you don't mind. How how is the local market there now? And how does Singapore perhaps compare?
1: Okay, well, um, it's a small world. As before this podcast, I didn't realise that you and I had lived in Hong Kong um during those years, um, that you were there. So we crossed in terms of some of our time there. Uh, and no, no doubt, um, we both got um, some very interesting stories and some fabulous memories of being there at that time. Um, but Hong Kong and Singapore, as we know, both very important financial hubs in Asia. Both cities attract private capital from across the region and internationally. Um, both cities well equipped with top-notch infrastructure, diversity of leisure, entertainment, that second to none. So all of this means that just like back in the 90s when you and I were there, they're not cheap places uh, to live or work. Um, However, they have both been affected differently, I think, over the last few years. If we look at Hong Kong, it's definitely been impacted by not only the civil unrest back in 2019, but also the restrictions around COVID. Um, Interestingly, um, and and perhaps importantly, those restrictions were only removed in Hong Kong um, in March this year, so only recently. Um, This definitely impacted residential prices and rents, as well as commercial rents. I spoke with one of our colleagues, uh, Ian Devereaux, um who's in our Hong Kong office and, and effectively he is our Mr Property for Hong Kong. He's worked in that sector for over 40 years. Um, and he's said that um, he's seen residential prices and rents um, uh, uh, dropping by around 10 to 15% since the beginning of the pandemic. I think commercial rents have probably softened as well over the same period, perhaps by not quite as much as this. But that's all been supported by um, evidence from a, a number of the, the property consultants. I think we were all hoping for a, a bigger bounce than we've seen um, once those COVID restrictions were removed. And I read a recent report from JLL that house prices may continue to fall um, further due to higher interest rates, uh, new units, new supply coming on stream and reduced capital demand coming from mainland China. So ordinarily, my my normal comment to people wanting to invest in Hong Kong um, is that they should have invested 20 years ago. um, But prices and rents are looking better than they have done for a while. Um, And given Hong Kong's resilience, I'm sure it won't be too long until uh, things start to move uh, in an upwards direction. Um, The opposite really is true for Singapore, I think. um, And I think it's actually benefited from the fact that it eased its COVID-19 restrictions much earlier than Hong Kong. It's also done a number of other things to stimulate inward investment. But the upshot is that Singapore and the market in Singapore has been booming for the last year or two. I actually read a report um, the other day that Singapore's house prices and rents have surpassed Hong Kong for the first time ever. And this surprised a lot of people as whilst we, we all knew that Singapore wasn't a cheap place to live and work, Hong Kong has always been at the top of the rankings. Um, Interestingly, we're now starting to hear people who have moved um, uh, to Singapore during the height of the pandemic start to think about moving back to Hong Kong and having second thoughts because of those rising prices and rents in Singapore. As ever, I think it's probably not as dramatic as that in reality. But I think prices and rents in Singapore do need to stabilise as the circa 40, 60 percent rent rises that we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months are not sustainable. And it's also interesting that the Singapore government has now started to take notice of that. And they recently doubled the stamp duty payable on residential property to 60% for foreign investors, which is quite amazing um, when you think about it.
0: Wow. And that's just to foreign investors, is it?
1: That's for foreign investors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. And did you say a 40 to 60% rise? Is that what you said?
1: I did. Yeah. Year, wow. year on year. So it, it's, it's, it's not sustainable. It's incredible. There's no incredible. there's no rent there's no rent cap or there's no kind of legislation, so landlords are effectively able to, to, to increase those in line with market. But it's yeah, it's just not going to be sustainable for the for the, for the short term.
0: Wow, know. yeah. Although rent caps don't really work very well. Speaking as someone who is still dealing with rent act tenancies <laughs> all these years later, uh, so yeah, a tricky one. Very interesting though. I mean, Asia's always been, hasn't it, such a you know interesting and dynamic region. Uh, you know, And I'm very interested, obviously, to hear about how the property market is performing in Hong Kong now, because obviously the 97 handover in Hong Kong marked a real change. And it was ridiculous boom times in the the run up to that sort of inevitably in in a way because of the packages that people were on out there. And then, of course, you have the handover in 97, which changed things. And I remember there was a dip then inevitably as you say you know things have changed so much i mean how 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 do hong kong and singapore do you think now see themselves on the global stage
1: uh listen i think you know as mentioned both see themselves and are international financial um hubs um mm-hmm. for the region and they will continue to be so you know for example, for all the talk of Singapore overtaking Hong Kong as the financial center in the region, the evidence just doesn't support this. You know, for example, Hong Kong's capital markets are significantly bigger than Singapore's exchanges. Um so whilst commentators like to pit one city against the other, I think the reality is that they are both extremely important cities in Asia and in many ways are complementary. The success of one will benefit the you know success of the other, so to speak. Of course, they, they do have those uh, different strategic focuses. So from Hong Kong's perspective, its location connectivity with the Greater Bay Area and mainland China more widely is, is of critical importance to Hong Kong. Hong Kong's recognised legal system is a key strength you know, when it comes to China's strategy. We we found that clients who you know are keen to transact with Chinese counterparties Prefer to do so when the you know with the common law system um, that that's based in Hong Kong, so they're contracting through Hong Kong, and this, and this is the key strength that um, Xi Jinping himself has said he will he will be keen to protect going forward. Singapore, on the other hand, is located you know in the heart of Southeast Asia, provides excellent global connectivity to um, fast growing markets in the Asia Pacific region. Um, such as uh, India, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam. And certainly, Singapore's focus is more towards those countries uh, than mainland China. Um, at the same time, both jurisdictions offer their own respective tax incentive regimes for privately held capital. And we've seen a lot of wealth enter Singapore um, uh, over the last few years following the government's successful legislation, particularly around the establishment of family offices. And this is something that Hong Kong recognizes given its new legislation around um, uh, establishment of family offices in, in in Hong Kong. I think it's also important to mention that following the opening of our Singapore office, um, as, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, we will then have a presence in these two important wealth hubs in Asia. And I strongly believe that having a boot in both of these camps will support our firm wide objective around our focus on private capital.
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting point, isn't it? I mean, you're absolutely right. There's definitely room for both. And they they bring their own kind of strengths and their own flavour. They're very distinct. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And of course, as you say, there's there's a lot of money floating about. um, And there's always been a lot of investment uh, from those two cities into the UK property market. Um, I mean, is that still the case? Do you think that will continue?
1: Yeah, I do. I think the UK has been and will continue to be an attractive market to invest in across commercial and residential property for investors from Hong Kong, Singapore, um, and the wider Asia region. I think there are a number of reasons for this, um, which I think you will be asking me about um, shortly, but, but... Um, One of the the, the factors um, which has been a real driving factor over the last few years is related to relocation. So uh, over the last few years, particularly since January 2021, I think there's been about 150,000 Hong Kongers um, uh, uh, which have relocated to the UK. So the upshot of that is that the investment from Hong Kong accounts the majority of investment into the UK residential property market over the last few years. Uh, And that's closely followed, interestingly, by investors from Singapore. That trend, I think, from Asia will continue, um, particularly because we're going to see the increase from those investors wishing to purchase additional property as a true investment as opposed to um, owner-occupied properties once things start to stabilise in the UK from an interest rate perspective, once people start to feel more comfortable, that prices, particularly in London, aren't likely to, uh, to soften any further. From a commercial property perspective, we're seeing quite a lot of interest from Asia-based companies, particularly in Hong Kong and Singapore, for UK commercial property. You know, the focus from these companies is on medium to long-term investment horizons. So things from a short-term perspective, like uncertainty around interest rates, potential for a change of government next year, these things are less important. What's what's more important for these companies um, is really diversification of their investment portfolio, uh, investing in secure income-generating assets with strong tenant covenants that are unlikely to be affected by the turbulent times in which we're, we're currently um, operating in.
0: Yeah, that's right, isn't it? I think UK, at the end of the day, still represents a stable place to invest, doesn't it? I mean, is that is that, do you think, the key factor which appeals to overseas investors
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a long varied list, you know, in terms of why they're investing into the UK. And it does include things like our stable legal system, the importance of London as a global international financial centre, the UK's world class education sector. Um, there's so many other things. There's also the historic ties that that Hong Kong and Singapore both have with the UK. There are, though, other factors. Um, so, for example, our tax system, you know, the stamp duty land tax uh, payable in the UK when you acquire a UK property is still very competitive compared with other financial centres. I've mentioned Singapore and the doubling of its stamp duty to you know from thirty to sixty percent. Um, Hong Kong stamp duty for foreign investors is still thirty percent, so significantly above where the UK is in terms of its tax regime and and its um uh, stamp duty uh, uh, thresholds. Um. The other point to consider is sterling. You know, sterling continues to be relatively weak against the dollar. I think it's, 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 it's moved slightly over the last few months, but it's still historically very weak. Uh, and that gives a number of currencies in Asia which are pegged to the dollar um, quite a significant advantage. So I think all of those things combined, um, the UK will continue to be an appealing kind of um, location for investors coming over from Asia.
0: Yes, you're right. I mean, you get a lot of your money at the moment, don't you, if you're investing from abroad with the way the currency is. And you're so right about the, the, the legal system as well, obviously, being a litigator. You know, it always fascinates me when I'm advising clients from abroad and their tales of what they experience if they litigate in their jurisdiction compared you know the 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 respect for our jurisdiction is is overwhelming actually you know I I moan about the courts as as much as anybody always moaning about the courts um and their inefficiencies but uh actually you know when you hear some other stories you're kind of like oh okay (laughs) we don't know how lucky we are yeah 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 Uh, and the quality of the judges as well I think um you know we are very lucky actually um
1: Got to get well, that in there. Yeah, well, in there.
0: absolutely. Yes, your honours. Uh, very great quality of the judges. <laughs> Excellent. All the ones who ever let me win. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's very interesting to me, these comparisons and, um, you know, there's always these, these differences and these similarities and it's always quite fascinating. And just to finish up, Simon, we always like to get a little personal insight from our guests. And I was thinking, I think the thing I miss uh, the most about Hong Kong, although, as you were saying, I'm sure we can share stories off off air. And uh, Joe Bananas was definitely one of my (laughs) favourite places. But uh, let's move on from that. Yeah, Um, definitely move on. Um, But uh, I think the thing I miss the most, the thing I loved the most and always still do when I go back um, to Hong Kong, has got to be the, the view of Hong Kong harbour from the peak at night. Yeah. What will you miss the most about leaving Hong Kong and what are you the most excited about when it comes to your move to Singapore?
1: Tricky. well, wow. Um, so uh, I was born in Hong Kong um, and loved being back in that city over the last few years to lead our strategic growth in Asia when I moved across from the Middle East back in 2021. you know we've achieved a lot in that time um, and it was you know, challenging times as a conse- consequence of COVID, but we've relocated our offices to Pacific Place, which is uh, uh, you know, a beautiful development in Admiralty. We've grown our headcount and we've also grown our capability. Um, I think what I'll miss the most um, is probably working on a daily basis with the incredible people that we have in our Hong Kong office. Um, but I actually, well, what I would like to say is I think I'm going to have the best of both worlds because I'm going to be splitting my time between Singapore and Hong Kong. So um, uh, those listening, they're not they're not getting rid of me so easily uh, in Hong Kong. Um, in terms of. In terms of Singapore, listen. There's a lot to get excited about. This is going to be my fifth international posting for the firm. It's the third time I've helped the firm you know, start an office from scratch. So I think this is probably one of my my, my key skill sets for the firm. Thankfully, these days I'm not going to be doing it all on my own. Jeff Lee, partner in our Hong Kong office, is moving across um, with me, and he will be our our new head of Singapore office um, and, and helping drive things forward. Um, it's definitely exciting. Um, establishing a presence, winning clients, and growing a new practice in a new market uh, for the firm. So I think you know those things are, are what I'm most looking forward to about Singapore. And of course, there's also a lot of things in our diary over the coming months to keep us busy. You know, We've got an event with one of our key referers around the Singapore Formula One in September. We've got sponsorship around the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitats, and that's a conference that's being held in Singapore in October. And then we've got our official Singapore office launch party on the 16th of November. So it's busy um, and exciting times and a lot to look forward to.
0: Yeah, that does sound quite busy. And obviously, I am available. So, if you need any support <laughs> from the Real Estate Expuse team, I'm always happy to uh, nip over to Asia. Although I know James is coming to your conference in Singapore.
1: But all support, gratefully received.
0: yes and i I promise not to go to Joe bananas too much if i do come across to hong kong (laughs) um well thank you very much for your time that's been really interesting and uh, great to get a bit of insight on those markets and best of luck with it all as you say um uh, creating and 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 leading offices seems to be your um your forte so i have no doubt it's going to be a roaring success
1: thank you emma yeah thank you
0: and thank you to our listeners for joining us as ever this is a charles russell Speechley's podcast